0: Four Points Online. We are honored that you're joining us today. And if God is using this ministry to change your life, please let us know at fourpoints.org slash my story. It's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. And if you would like to give and be a part of what God is doing, then visit fourpoints.org and select the safe and secure option, or you can download our app and choose to get there as well. We are so excited to hear a powerful message from God's Word today. I've really enjoyed this series, Address the Mess, so far, and I'm excited about the last few weeks of the series. I really believe, y'all, that God's given us some stuff for the next few weeks that, with all my heart, leading up to Father's Day, Father's Day is the last um, two weeks from today, is the last part of this series, and I believe the next three in um, the first three as well have been something that you can take home. I just believe that there's some revelation, some, something new, like an aha moment that can take place in your life. And so if you're a guest with us, we're honored that you're here. Are we excited, everybody, that we got some guests in the house? We're excited that you're here. And I want to give you a quick review of what this series is all about because everybody's got a mess in their life. And everybody wants a fix, but sometimes there's not a simple fix. Sometimes we just have to look ourselves in the mirror and say, all right, we're going to put our big boy pants on or our big girl pants on. Are y'all with me? And we're going to address this mess. And I believe Psalm 1 gives us such a great example of this because this is what it says. Blessed, blessed, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but delights in the law of the Lord. And I've got, I'm going to use this at the end today, but, but this is where we find the law of the Lord today. I don't know if y'all know this, but back when David wrote Psalms, they did not have Bibles like we do. Do y'all know that? Yes. Some of y'all are like, are you serious, Pastor? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am serious. But it was still being written. But it says that if we delight in his goodness, in his law, on the law of the Lord and on his law, we meditate on it day and night. It's constantly on our hearts is what we think about. But, and, and we're like a tree as a result, planted by waters that yield fruit in its season. And, and some translations say by rivers, by streams. And its leaf does not wither. And all he does, he prospers with. And then watch this. This is important. Both of these are so important today. And that's why, as a review, I want to show this. Because basically, the whole series is founded on Psalm 1. It says, the wicked are not so. They're like chaff that blow in the wind, back and forth. That drives away. And so here's what we got to do is we got to ask ourselves, are we delighting in the Lord? Are we doing it his way or watch this? Or are we hoping that maybe God can get us out of this jail that we're in? Are we hoping that maybe if I read my Bible, because I'm telling you, I believe a lot of people find themselves in this situation, that if I read my Bible, maybe God will make, make it all go away and make it better that if I just do a couple boxes that I can check, then I won't have these messes anymore. Now listen to me. This is on purpose a little bit controversial because I like it. Come on, somebody. I like a little controversy. But God is not looking for you to agree with him because he already knows he's right. God wants you to delight in him. Because he loves you so much. And here's what I found in my own life is a lot of times when my heart gets off, it's because I hope God will fix me and I've lost the fact that God loves me deeply. And so one of the places that I find the biggest mess that we have, and y'all, this is where we get off base. This is where we find these like exit ramps is what it feels like for messes in our lives. If God has us a path that we're supposed to be going on, there's these, there's these quick exit ramps that are like, you know what, I'm just going to detour for a minute. This isn't a big deal. And then we find ourselves 10 years later going, holy crud, look at this junk that I've made. Is anybody with me today? We're going to address this one, and everybody better say something to me in here, because y'all know what I'm talking about. We're going to address the mess of, everybody say it. Money. This is not a message on tithing, so everybody can take a deep breath. He's going to tell me to give more money. That's not what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you that you can tithe and still find a mess in money. S-Y-A-B. Because God isn't looking for you to tithe. He's looking for you to delight. And if you'll love him, then tithing doesn't become something that I, Ugh, this stinks, I hate this. It's really another word than stinks. I just don't want to be offensive, everybody. <laughs> Sucks. But, <laughs> but money, tithe isn't the problem, is it? Can we be honest with each other? Tithe isn't the problem. Tied in the problem. Here's the problem. And this is the problem for every single person in the room. Like, I don't care if you don't have a job, if you do have a job, teenagers, I know some of y'all don't work yet, but all of us feel this. As a matter of fact, I'm about to tell you a story about my kid who is six, who feels the same tension that I feel, and I just make fun of him when we're in stores, and so I feel bad now because I'm realizing that this is a lot about me. Is I ask myself this question, How much is enough? Like, when is money enough? When do I have enough? And right now, if you're not thinking never, then you're not like me, (laughs) right? Because you could always use a little bit more. So let me start by saying this. Money's not bad. Money's good. But this becomes a problem for everybody like this. I don't know if y'all have kids, okay? So if you don't have kids, you're not even married yet, Like I said, we got some teenagers in the room. You may not understand what I'm talking about here, but if you'll put yourself in my son's shoes and not in my shoes, you can't understand it because we all do this. What happens, parents, every single time you go to a store with your children? I mean, like, we fight at my house to see who has to watch the kids so the other one can go to the store. Right? Because this is what's going to happen. Daddy, am I going to get a surprise today? <laughs> now, y'all need to start talking to me right now because I'll start feeling bad if nobody else feels this way. I want to tell them in that moment I got a dare gum surprise for you. It's a size 14. <laughs> hey, you are. table. What is wrong with you children? I know I'm the only one that feels this way. And they ask for stuff. Y'all better say amen. They ask for stuff that they don't even want. Amen. Like I just want to look at them and say you, you don't want that. Like what? Daddy can I get this? I've always wanted this. You've never seen that before. You are six, bro, six years old. and Daddy, I want this so bad. I've always wanted this, and I'm just, I just get angry. I just have to ask the Lord, Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I Just quote verses. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm going to slap somebody if y'all keep asking for something. I mean, we'll have interventions because y'all do this. We have interventions on the way into the store. Nobody's asking for anything today. Y'all know that it don't work. It ain't ever worked. And I just, you give them the stank eye on it. Did I just hear you ask for something? <laughs> and then we all probably, maybe y'all don't, maybe y'all are the ones that buy everything, and that's awesome. Y'all are just the credit card machine. But, I, but, but every time we, we try to reason with our children, like the six year old's gonna figure this out. And I say, son, look at all your toys. Come on. Look at all your toys. Look at them. I mean, just think about all the children that wish they had what you have. And we go through this. Whole, I mean, come on. I'm a little bit embarrassed by this conversation that we're having because that's what this is. And, I, I, and what I'm trying to do in this conversation is I need y'all to think like I think right now because I don't understand how you think because you're crazy. Dad I've always wanted one of these. Can I get these? And you're just looking at them going. And we get back in the car, and you, then you have the whole way home as an intervention. And you get home, and you have them in their room, and you talk to them, and you show them all their stuff, and you say, how can you not understand that you already have? Everybody say it. Enough. Enough. And it's funny. It really, it really is frustratingly funny until I start thinking about my own life in relation to my kids. Until I start thinking about my own life because I think to myself, All that has to happen for me is for you to get something. And all of a sudden, my mind starts wandering, why don't I have that? I start changing definitions of the Bible, right? Because because the Bible says that in all I do, I'll prosper. So that means I should have what you have. And then even in my prayer time, I've noticed this about myself that I'll start saying things like this, God, I've always wanted... And the thing that I get so frustrated that I want interventions with my own children about become my own life in my conversations with my Heavenly Father. I don't know if y'all saw the video that we made for this this series that we're doing for the kids. We had a lot of fun making that. It was pretty natural for me, just to be honest with you. Because my whole get into character thing was, let's do what Haston does when he doesn't get what he wants at the store, right? So pretty much pitches a fit, whatever. And I laughed at myself because I was like, you look so goofy, bro, that's ridiculous. And then I thought to myself, I really don't get on the floor and pout when I don't get what I want. I just take it out on other people. Right? I just, I just take it out on other people. Can I go a little bit further? I don't have to ask, I'm just going to, but I wanted y'all to say yes. You know what we do in situations like that is then we start taking out credit cards because we think to ourselves, I got to get what they got. This is the difference between our children. We can actually not let our children go buy everything. But when we're undisciplined in our own lives, we're so desirous of more that we just go get it. I don't think credit cards are bad, by the way. If you can be disciplined with them, you pay them off every single month, you can actually get benefit from it. The problem is most of us are not disciplined. And we find ourselves in messes of debt. We find ourselves in messes of I've got to have more right now. We find ourselves in messes of the generation before us, when there weren't credit cards, there was just layaway. We laugh about layaway now when that's not a bad option, everybody. The only thing I can think in my life is I, I need a little bit more. And if I just watch this, could have a little bit, More And listen to me, if that's how you feel this morning, you're in danger. You're in danger. Because what I see in Haston and what I see in Lainey, I cannot see in me. And I just want to show you what Paul instructed Timothy at the end of his life. At the end of Paul's life when he's kind of handing the keys off to Timothy and saying, you're about to be the guy. In 1 Timothy 6, he gives them such an interesting thing that I think if we're not careful, we can read this out of context and miss the whole point of what he's saying. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, he says, but those who desire, everybody say desire, desire. to be rich. Now, is, I need y'all to talk to me. Is it bad to be rich? Yeah. Say it again. Is it bad to be rich? Yeah. No, it's not bad to be rich. What, he does not say, so those who are rich. He said, those whose deepest desire, those who burn with patch, I've got to be rich, fall into temptation and into a snare. So he doesn't just say, I'm just going to give them one. He said, I'm going to give them two pictures. It's a temptation and a snare into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge, this is unbelievable, y'all, that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And then he says this in verse 10, for the love of money is not the root. It doesn't say the root. It says it's a root. It's a taproot that goes down into your soul like the Holy Spirit is supposed to be because we have the fruit of the Spirit. And so we want the root of the Spirit, right, to to dig deep into us. But instead, the love of money becomes a root of all kinds of evils. Let me stop here just for a second and tell you this. I was, I was studying this, thinking through how much is enough. And I bet you y'all will be able to understand what I'm saying right here. If we could have logic in times of money situations, money crunch, money frustrations, being overwhelmed with money. If we could have logic come into play, which oftentimes it cannot because of the description that Paul gives here we wouldn't lose our minds the way that we do. Y'all, I have almost had fist fights in my earlier years. Listen to me. Been so angry with people, and I wish I could tell you it was over tens of thousands of dollars because I feel like I would feel better if that was the case. Sometimes it was over $20. Like some of the maddest times I've ever been is when I thought I got, excuse my word, but this is how I felt. When I got screwed out of I think about stuff that's broken in my home and fights that Lee and I have had. It was not the value of that item. It was that that I was dealing with the love of money and I lost my ever-loving mind over it. And it led to things that I would never do if I was right with the Lord but my desire became so much that I, that I needed this, that I wanted this, that I did this, and I, I bet you most of y'all know what I'm talking about because something takes place and you lose it when in the grand scheme of things, $100, y'all, is not that big of a deal. But because we can't have reason in this situation, we are ready to kill somebody over this, and I'm not even trying to be funny. And he says, he says, it is through this, everybody say this. It's through this exact, this this craving that some have wandered away from the faith. Y'all, this isn't just child's play. People walk away from their faith, watch this, and pierce themselves with many pains. I found this so interesting. The word pains is, is such a deep hurt that the only way it can be healed It's an an emotional pain is what this exact translation means in the original language. It's such a deep emotional pain that only through God's grace can it be healed. Which, y'all, is why money situations cause people to do crazy things. It's why rich people, rich people, when their 401k plummeted in 2008, we saw people and we were brokenhearted for people on Wall Street. That we read story after story about situations that 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 they took their own life or they lost their mind or things happened. And it's because when this becomes our end, we will do any kind of crazy thing. We'll we'll start doing stuff that is that, that we would never even dream about. We we will begin, we will begin to try to make it up and get out of our hole. And and then 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 we ask God, I thought you said you would prosper me. And we make that the issue and that the point. And I believe God wants to prosper us, so this is not a message of you should never prosper. <laughs> Y'all, if we're going to move the ball the way that God called us to, it's going to take money. But that ain't the point. And the issue becomes we get so caught up. I just thought about this as I was, as I was praying through it this week. I, just, I meet with couples quite a bit. And one thing that I've noticed is, if there's communication breakdowns, because a lot of times people say it's communication problem. It's a communication problem. It's actually a not enough problem. And, and I've, I was trying to think of examples of times that I can remember where money was not at the centerpiece of the issue. It can be, it can be simple stuff like... Um, I don't think it's wrong to have separate checking accounts. I know people have businesses, and I don't think that's wrong. Lee and I share an account, but it, it's whatever works for y'all is what I think the best way to do it, if you communicate. But there's people that have totally separate lifestyles, and they, and they find out this stuff, and there was never communication taking place. And, and almost every time, she spends too much money, he spends too much money. They always want more. They always run off to Harris and spend tons of money at the casinos. They always run off and, and, and buy. And listen, I thought about this one as well. People don't just back into adultery. But have y'all ever noticed that, that whenever an infatuation lights up, we don't have trouble spending money on the people that we're infatuated with? I mean, that, it, it's unbelievable because through its root of all kinds of evils, things begin to shoot out and take place that we would never dream of otherwise money is not the problem loving it above all else is the problem and I can tell you how we can know if that's the case for our lives today if we're having a hasty temper tantrum over the fact that somebody got something that I wished I'd have gotten because what I like to do is say God If I just get more, listen to me, if I just get more, I'll use it for your glory. God, I tithe, and I do it consistently. I actually do more than tithe, God. Look at all that I do, so give me some more. Do you know what I've noticed about myself in that conversation with God? I never ask for more of him. I ask for more of what he's got. So God doesn't become the end. He becomes the mean that I can get the end that I really want. And using the vehicle that is called Jesus, I hope to get my God, which is money. Let's call money what it is, possessions, things, stuff. You know, the Bible teaches us that we should not pray for things, that if we seek first the kingdom in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, all these, what's the word? Things will be added unto us. That whatever I need, From my God who is a provision God, he'll provide them for me. But I just can't get around that when I see you in the store. I just want what he's got. I see a new toy and I think, I'm just going to shoot straight with y'all today. I know I don't normally do that. Just kidding. But it's hard not to think this as a pastor. This past Thursday, we toured a church in Athens, Georgia. It was beautiful. And we were looking at stuff because we're about to meet with architects, our architectural firm, um, equip studios and begin to really design our building for a half a mile down the road. So we're walking around this building and I'm looking going, this is insane. I mean, they got more money in the AV and all the toys and sound and stuff that we're going to spend down the street. And I, and I caught myself. And this is what's so ironic about it. I caught myself feeling sorry for myself and having an internal hissy fit, pitching a fit. And then we catch ourselves saying stuff like this. If we had what they had, there's no telling what we could do. Instead of God, thank you for what you've given us, we're going to be good stewards with what you've put in our hands. I had a buddy tell me this week, and I thought this was so interesting because we joke with my friends. We joke about winning the lottery sometimes, and it's really a joke. It's hard to win without buying a ticket, but we'll just go beyond that. But we joke about it. When it hits a billion dollars, it gets real tempting. Come on, somebody, to go, to go buy a ticket and look at it. And we always joke, we'll take the tithe. I know pastors say they wouldn't, but by God, we will take the tithe. In Jesus' name. But then this is what he told me, and I just sat there. We were meeting at Starbucks, and he said, he said, I wasn't praying "What could I win the lottery. I was asking God sincerely, is it cool if I buy a ticket? Because I just didn't know. I, I felt like it was pretty neutral. And he said, I felt moved in my heart that the Lord said to me, the worst thing that could ever happen to you is for you to win the lottery. Because you don't steward the few tens of thousands that come through your bank accounts right now well so you would become a crazy person with millions yes. and I just thought you know I've never really thought I was going to win the lottery but I am a lot like Haston and then you got to start wondering where to get that from you know what I mean where to get that from where in the world did my son get that so how much is enough y'all Like there's, it's a frustrating question because it's never enough. It's never enough. I was going to end a different way. And as I was praying this week, I just felt really led to move to Matthew 13. So let me tell you about Matthew 13 real quick. Matthew 13 is this passage that talks about the kingdom the whole whole time. I love so many of the stories in there. But the very first thing is is called the parable of the sower. And then if you skip down, verse 18, he gives an, Jesus gives an explanation of what this means. And y'all, I think this is such an unbelievable picture of how we can know if we got enough and why we're so far off. And look what it says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 18. This is the passion translation, which I love y'all. It says, now you are ready to listen to the revelation. Everybody say revelation because there's a difference between reading the Bible and having it revealed to our hearts. I'm gonna hit on that for just a second, but or in just a second, but y'all will look at this. He said, This is the revelation of this parable that we're talking about. He said, the seed that fell on the beaten path, the hard path, represents the heart of, of the one who hears the message of the kingdom realm, but doesn't understand it. Listen. He said, He said, This is this is what this is about. Anytime that God's revelation comes on your life because I think everybody in here will know what I'm talking about. All the people that love Jesus, listen to me. You get this thing when you feel like God's speaking to you and it feels, man, it's, I'm ready to run laps when I feel it. You know what this says? It promises me that the enemy's gonna come and try to snatch it away from us immediately. Whenever God's revelation comes, you can promise the enemy's coming to try to take it away because all that God's word is in our lives at first is seed. This is not a devotion book, y'all. This is not intended to be read just as a devotion book. Like, Let's just start from the top. The problem in our lives is we read this and we think to ourselves, and y'all, I'm telling you that people that I love deeply, some of my family members know the Bible way better than I do, but they don't do what it says. And they get mad because they say stuff like this. I've read my Bible every day for 10 years, but God. And I just ask them, where in there does it say if you read your Bible every day? Actually, find me one time that it says read it. It says to meditate on it. And I'm not arguing you shouldn't read it now. What I, but I will argue this with anybody that wants to listen. That if all you're doing is just reading it to read it, then you're wasting time because you get no revelation from let me, get, let me do this five-minute thing with God. If you miss three days this week, but you can take some time to let it sink in like Psalm 1 says, meditating on it day and night. If you pick one verse and let God penetrate your soul with that one verse, it's much more valuable than reading 25 chapters and not getting anything from it. Because when God speaks to you, the enemy will come to snatch it away. And we feel so frustrated because we're like, God, I did your thing. I even read the Bible, and I felt like the enemy came. He's coming. Why? Because he doesn't want you to do what God's called you to do. He's scared to death of what you can be in Christ Jesus, not on your own. And so immediately the enemy comes to snatch it away. Now, this is all about money. Watch this. He said the second one said the seed that grows on the gravel is the person who gladly hears the message. And that's some of us in this room. Like when Pastor Stephen spoke last week, I got to hear it twice, and I enjoyed it. God spoke to me. But if all I do is hear the message, but it remains a shallow experience, where the only thing I'm living for is next week's message, and not meditating with him day and night, then all I hope is that he'll prosper me so I can do my thing. And for many people that I know that read the Bible every day, it's never taken hold of their heart it just hits right here. Y'all, this to me defines the, the Christian church, especially in the upstate of South Carolina. We are sweet and syrupy on the outside and hard as a rock on the inside. Buddy mine said we're like peaches. I mean, you bite into us, we seem sweet, but you get to, the, you get to where it really matters, where the root can take hold, because y'all, a root can't take hold forever unless it hits deep. It's just hard as a rock. He says, shortly after that, after we hear it, watch this, when trouble and persecution come, because revelation is taking place, God's revealed messages begin to take place in my life, we quickly fall away because it didn't sink deep. Y'all, how many of us can say this feels like our lives right now? I mean, like all the time we say, I love God. I want to do his thing, but I never seem to be able to do what he says. I even agree with God, but I can't do what he says. It's because it doesn't sink deep. It's because as soon as difficulty comes, we run for the hills and then we just think, if I can just get a little more, if I can just get a little more, if I can just get a little more, he doesn't need to give you more, he needs to get all of you. Like God changes our hearts and our lives when he gets all of us, not when we get all of him. We get all of him the day we trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not about us getting all of him, it's about him getting all of us. But most of us don't ever let it sink deep. And so all we can think is maybe this God can be the means to the end. And then there's another seed. And this, to me, defines the, the mess of money. And I thought it was so good I had to, I had to share this. It said the seed sowed among the reeds represents people that it has sunk deep. But we're so busy. Look what it says. But all of life's... Busy distractions, we have a divided heart. That's literally what verse 4 of Psalm 1 says, that we're like wheat, that we're double-minded in all of our ways. And our ambition for wealth, is that not crazy? Our ambition for wealth results in suffocating the message. There are people that are listening to me preach right this second that what God's plan for your life is is so grand. It's so unbelievably amazing that if I could explain it to you, you would be afraid it's so unbelievable. But this word suffocating in the original language actually means you are cut off. Listen, you're cut off from God's provision, which means you and you alone are capable of providing for your needs. But all we can do is surround ourselves and think about, I've got to have more. God, if I could just have a little more, I could do your message. I could do your thing. If you would just give me a little more, I need one more. I need one more. I'm going through the line. God, one more. Stop. I mean, I literally felt this this week in my office, More stop. Today, you've got all you need. I need all of you. Distractions are everywhere. We can't even see this distraction. We're so blinded by the weeds in our lives. And look what it says happens. That spiritual fruit cannot form. Isn't this a frustrating thing? I just want to love people. Because God said everyone can know that I'm his disciple if I love one another. John 13. And so, so God, I just want to love people, but I'm so distracted by wanting more that I'm suffocated from his love. The only love I can show people is my own, and y'all, it ain't good. Because that love can switch and turn on the, on the it's, it, all you got to do is sneeze wrong, and I can get mad at you. You know what I'm talking about. But here's the good news. This is, this is where this message gets good, everybody. It says, but there's, but there's one kind of seed and one kind of heart that when the two interact together, it's not just surfacey. It's not clouded and choked off with the distractions of our lives, trying to have a little bit more. It, it, it doesn't just bounce off because we're so hard. It says there's a seed that fell on good soil. That's your heart. It's, look, it says it represents the heart of people who fully embrace the message of heaven and the kingdom. Watch this. This does not say who agree that God is right. This says fully embrace, meaning I begin to do what he says. I begin to walk with him. I begin to do exactly what God has called me to do. This is not a works-oriented message at all. This is a heart-oriented message 100%, y'all, because most of us are doing the works, we just ain't got the heart. There are some amazing people in this room that you know Jesus and you want to do the right thing. But anger continues to control you because the love of money has choked you off. This is so good, y'all. It says their lives bear good fruit. Everybody say good fruit. Y'all remember in Psalm 1, this entire series, what happens when the tree is planted by the river? Every season it bears fruit. Its leaves never wither. This says that we bear good fruit because the message, the seed, because God's truth is seed not a devotion book and look what it says some yield a harvest of 30, 60 and even a hundred fold as much was sown and I've heard preachers and I'm not giving them a pass because this disgusts me I've heard pastors do this before on TV because money is seed by the way just ain't what this is talking about Bless God, brother, if you'll sow a seed of $20, God will return it a hundredfold. Maybe, but that's not what this means. This is the, listen, my gosh, I feel like I got a little preaching in me today. What if we believed this, y'all? I feel so much passion in my heart for this. What if we believed that I don't have to understand what God's doing? It's not about me being able to see it with my eyes but that what no eye has seen or ear has heard or heart of a man has imagined is what God has prepared for me, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, who love him. That I have the mind of Christ and when I don't try to think on my own but I let God through me begin to move me, that a hundredfold of what seed was sown in me by him, he's the the one that gives us the seed. That there's no telling what we can do There's no telling what you can do, but when we do it together, it's unbelievable what can happen, but the only thing we think to ourselves is, can I just get a little more? Can I just get a little more? Listen to me. We do not need a little more. We need the seed that's been sown to hit us deeply to where when the enemy comes, we can just speak life over the situation and say, you you come with those arrows all you want, devil, but you can't have me. I'm the head and not the tail. That under the name of Jesus, even you have to bow, so you better bow down and run away. That I come with humility and say, God, I believe that you've brought me through this already, and I can't see the outcome, but I trust you even in this situation. But if we don't, this becomes the issue. It's all we can think is if I could just get a little bit more seed than I could do for God. And this doesn't become a means that is wonderful, y'all. There is nothing wrong with money. It is a tool. But so is God's Word. Jesus is the point. And most of us use this to get this. Most of us try, we, we think to ourselves, if I just pray a little bit more, If I just try a little bit harder, if I just do a little bit better then God will prosper me, listen to me, you never have to pray for prosperity. He promised you that. You never have to touch your nose the right way, dot enough eyes the right way. Y'all, we can't do that. There is flesh that will never fall off of us until we go to heaven. So you will fail. God is not concerned with if you mess up one time or 10 times today, it's that you keep walking in his freedom. It's that you keep staring at him saying, you're the author and the perfecter of my faith, so I seek you first in all I do. It's that this is not the goal. This is the means. He's the end. That reading my Bible does not make me a better person, and that if all I do is read it to get it off my checklist, maybe put it down for a week. But if I let it sink deep, if I realize that this is the most valuable commodity on, on the planet today, there's nothing more valuable than the Word of God but it's not a devotion book. It's the kingdom manual that we have to live these lives the way he's called us to live them. Then we can answer this question, I already have enough and this is how we do it. Going back to that first Timothy verse because I'm reading these second instead of first. This is what he said before this y'all. He said, look, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And I've read these verses in the past and I've never understood what they mean. Cause y'all content to me just meant chill, right? I'm good with what I got. No, it means something far deeper than that. This literally translates, everybody listen, self-sufficient in Christ. Self-sufficiency in Christ Jesus. That I realize that everything I'll ever need, everything I'll ever want Everything, everything that God needs for me to have, every bit of seed that needs to hit this heart right here has already been sown. I just have to cultivate the ground and watch God do the work. But most of the time when we pray, y'all think about it, when we pray, we say, if I could just have a little bit more, I could be content, which means I want to be self-sufficient, God. I rebel from your lordship in my life. I rebel wanting total control of this heart. Maybe if I read my Bible, he'll give me a little more. And so we're into contentment, just just the self-sufficiency side of it, if I can do it on my own. But he says, no, no, no. Godly contentment is that you're self-sufficient only in him. And that is truly great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we can't take anything with us. But if we've got what we need today, Then with these, we can be self-sufficient in Christ and realize that every step that you take when you walk with him, that hundredfold will include, listen to me, will include things because it's got to. It's impossible that it doesn't include things. If you do a hundred times greater than the seed that God planted in you, that's unbelievable. So it's gonna include things, but anytime things become where my heart leans, He'll strip me down to nothing because He loves me that much. He'll let me hit my lowest point because He loves me so deeply that He wants my heart to seek Him first, to yearn for Him first. And so the place that I have to land in my own life is, and this is easy to preach, y'all, but God doesn't need us to preach it. He needs us to live it, to believe it, to let it sink deep, to realize that this is the truth, is that Jesus is enough. That Jesus plus nothing is everything that that is not just good preacher talk. That is the reality of our lives, that there's nothing like Jesus. That he is the lover of your soul and on your worst day, he loves you. And he knows the mess that you're in, but he rescues you in your mess. You've just got to say, God, I can't fix this anymore. I can't keep trying to buy my way out, think my way out, do my way out. I'm tired of this marriage situation because we fight over money all the time. I'm tired of every time I go to the store, hating going to the store because I got to spend money. Money is not bad until it controls who we are. And I'm just convinced that in God blessed America, it is defining the church because we are angry people because it never takes root. And I came to tell you today that the only way your life can change is not a good message. It's not a little bit more reading in the the Bible time. Listen, it's not if you start tithing, and I believe that's obedience, but that will not change your life, unless it is because of the revelation that God is who he says he is, takes hold of your heart, plants a taproot in the middle, and even though you may mess up, and you will, you'll just keep walking saying, I'm seeking you above all else. It doesn't matter if I get a billion dollars or if I make what I make the rest of my life. You're enough. You'll provide all my needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. I start speaking scripture over my life. I, I'm not afraid of what people will say about me or do anymore. I believe what he said and I will walk this way and if people don't understand what I'm doing, I'm gonna keep walking everybody. Now that is when Jesus is enough. So I just have to ask you this question. If you could answer this question honestly, is Jesus enough? I'm not asking you to agree that he is. I'm asking you to answer, is that the definition of your life? Does this define who you are? Or, Daddy, can I have another one? Daddy, can I please, I've always wanted. Is that really the definition of your life? Because if you can answer this question, I believe you can begin to walk in freedom when you'll let God begin to change your heart. Will you pray with me? Lord, I pray that you just move. I pray that you just move in our midst. pray that you just shift our hearts, God. I'm gonna do this totally different because I just feel strongly is what you're leading me to do. And so God, change our hearts. Let us lay down the distractions, what has suffocated us from your provision. And just lay them down and say, God, everything is yours. I surrender all to Jesus, all to him I freely give. Lord, we give because you gave first. God, I feel such a passion and hurt for people in this room that have heard the message and they've liked it when they heard it and they agreed with it, but they have had so much issue and turmoil and hardship. Lord, those don't go away. We're just rooted in you. And our tree is firmly planted. We're built on the rock. And no matter what comes our way, on Christ, the solid rock, we stand. So God, I just pray right now that you'll just move in the hearts of our awesome people. In Jesus' name, I want everybody to look this way. At the end of this message, And then the song, and even right now, our prayer team will be down here. We'll be down here and we'll pray with you. I want you to do it. I don't want you to raise your hand and tell me you want this message today. I want you to make the decision in your heart, I'm so tired of running. And I want you to bring it down here and lay it at the altar. There's nothing literally to lay down. but, And I don't know if anybody will move, y'all. And if nobody moves, I'm cool with that because I believe I've, I've done my deposit. But I believe there's some people that you feel gripped in your heart right now. Y'all, what's good enough to keep you there because God's love for you is worth it. It's so good. Come down here and say, I'm tired of control and I'm relinquishing control in Jesus' name. We will pray with you. We will help you take your first steps with Jesus. Some of you need to get saved. We want to walk with you in that. But I don't want you to raise your hand today. I want you to make a move. I want you to come. You can come anytime. You can come when the service is over. You can come right now. But I don't want you to stay put if you feel like you're in jail today and you want Jesus. So as we sing, you come.